Hi, I'm Patrick Donahoe, and I want to welcome you to the final episode of the Perpetual Wealth Strategy Podcast Summer Season, where we are doing a deep dive into the hierarchy of wealth. I hope after today's episode that you will have a more comprehensive understanding of how to structure your current investments uh, to better form your financial foundation and ultimately weather market fluctuations in the future, as well as achieve your goals with more certainty. My guest today is a seasoned wealth strategist. He's been with Paradigm Life uh, for uh, about a half a decade now, but he has an extensive background in financial services and understands tier four investments at a very high level. And he has helped me to understand them, uh, not from my vantage point, but from the client's vantage point, uh, from your vantage point and how you have been trained and taught and conditioned to uh, to invest in a certain way and to, to position your assets in a certain way. So Chad is an expert, and I know you guys are going to benefit from this uh, podcast. It was a great way to end this series. So welcome to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining this podcast. It is our final in talking about the hierarchy of wealth, and we're going to be talking about tier four. And I have uh, my good buddy and a, a wealth strategist, very seasoned financial professional, Chad Hansen, on with me. Chad, how are you, my friend? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be a good discussion. I think so. I think so. You know, Chad, I think it'd, it'd be good for you maybe to, to review your history, right? That you've been in financial services for a, for a pretty long time, almost 20 yeah. years, maybe even beyond 20 years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what that's made you aware of when it comes to, you know, specifically the, the tier four type of asset that it has the most risk out of all the, the other tiers that have already been discussed. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, as far as uh, background goes, uh, so I started in this industry in 99. So 21 years ago, um, started out as a stockbroker, registered investment advisor, registered fiduciary, retirement planning counselor, estate planning counselor, group benefits specialist, employee benefits consultant, life and health insurance agent, property and casualty insurance agent, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and business owner. Um, clients currently in 48 out of the 50 states, a dozen or so internationally as well. So I, I, I spiel all that out just to say I've, I've been around the block a few times, right? I, I don't know that I've seen it all and done it all financially, but pretty darn close. So <clears throat> um, we're specifically talking about tier four. That's really where my foundation in this business began you know, a stockbroker on Wall Street, right? Just thrown into the fire. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's something that has to be done uh, very, very cautiously. Uh, you have to have an extra measure of diligence when you're dealing with tier four assets. And that's um, unfortunately not the way that we are taught. Uh, I, and you'd agree with this, Patrick. I mean, you go to school and they tell you, you know, go invest in stocks and bonds and ETFs and why not throw in some options and futures and commodities. And nobody knows what that means, but they go to their broker and they ask for that and that's what they get. And they're, they're kind of starting with that hierarchy of wealth upside down. And I will, yeah, they're, they're kind of starting at the tip instead of establishing the base and then moving up. And it gets a lot of people in trouble. Um, you know, just, just in my history in this business, 
you know, I started in 99. And if you think about what was going on in 99, I mean, it was the, the end of the 90s. The market was just rallying, going crazy. Tail end of dot com, yeah. Yeah, tail end of dot com. You could throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and make 30%. It, was just, it was just didn't matter what you invest in. Everything was going up double digits. Um, well, you know, then there was the WorldCom and the Encom debacle. Uh, and Enron, Enron yeah. debacles and, and all of the dot-coms going under and uh, the market just tanked and caught everybody by surprise. So that was my intro into this world. You know, a couple of years in and this, the world collapses. Uh, you know, we licked our wounds, uh, went back to our modern portfolio theories, uh, redesigned, reallocated everything, went and sought out the best advice, the best portfolio managers, uh, spread everything out as far as we could, did our best job of diversification couple of years later, 9-11 hit and, you know, slam, we got, yeah. we got just worked over again. And, that, and it was completely out of our control. Uh, no matter how good of a job we did, we could not stop the bleeding. We could not stop the hemorrhaging of wealth from our clients' portfolios. It didn't matter if they were in stocks or bonds or ETFs or anything else, they were losing money. And it was a hard lesson to learn early in my career. And it kind of started me on the path to where we are currently. And obviously, we've seen a bunch. We've seen a bunch of things since then, like the you know 2008, 2009 real estate crisis and the current COVID-19 situation we're in. Um, you, you really have to have a good, solid foundation, and you have to work your way up that hierarchy of wealth intentionally. Um, you, you can't just haphazardly throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal anymore and and hope to make it big. It just doesn't work. Well, as much as I'm assuming you've seen a lot of the evolution of technology, of systems, of uh, you know the, the use of options and hedging and insurance. I mean, it's gotten a lot more sophisticated, but at the same time, the principle of trying to predict the future uh, is still, you know, the very difficult because human nature is that variable that you can never. I would say human nature and humanity, right? Things happening, black swan events and so forth, life happening yeah. where you can't always predict right. everything. And so that's where, you know, even though there's room in a place for uh, investments that have a degree of risk, you, you essentially have a, a sequence in which you establish your wealth and establish your assets so that when, you know, these types of events, COVID-19 is just another example where they throw you off kilter it, it doesn't impact everything because if it impacted everything, now it goes even further impacting emotions, state of being, which makes it even more difficult to rebound. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there's a catchphrase from one of the big companies out there. I forget who it was, but they always said you can't predict, but you can prepare. Actually, I think that was Mass Mutual. Mm. Anyway, you, can, you can't predict, but you can prepare. And uh, they're right to some degree. You know, if you're using the wrong tools, it doesn't matter how prepared you think you are, you're still gonna take a shellacking, you know? So um, you really can't predict what's gonna happen. You know, these black swan events come around, you know, who knows what, and, and just general factors in your life, you know, a job loss, a divorce, a, you know, a business failure, you know, things happen that's, that are gonna change your plans. And your, your plans have to be flexible. They have to have that liquidity built in and you have to have, some guarantees. And, and that's not what Wall Street focuses on. That's not what these tier four assets are designed to do. These tier four assets are really designed to, to take a chance and make it big on something that you're comfortable with, you're familiar with, but knowing that there's a chance of loss, right? So you've already taken care of, of tier one. You've got your wealth maximization account set up. You have this 
amazing machine working for you. You've, you've grown into tier twos and, and tier three, and now you still have a little excess. I would call that your play money, okay? So for example, I, I have an options trading account still. Uh, I trade options. Uh, and it's just my play money account, right? It's, it's fun, okay? It's not something I would do for a client. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just my own little play money. It's something I know, something I'm comfortable with, something I'm familiar with, but it's not, it's not where I'm betting my future. It's not, it's not my serious retirement money. This is my, my fun money. So, uh, you know, you got to keep that in mind and, and, and have a place for it. And the way I do options is uh, basically putting in a hedge. Okay, I'm using covered calls. So I'm using a call and a put simultaneously. So if the market goes up, you can lock in some gains. The market goes down, you can cut it off and not have losses. But it takes A, a lot of experience and B, a lot of money to be able to do that well. And the average person just can't do that. Um, I, I have a lot of clients that say, well, hey, who, who would you recommend I go to to do options? And I, I generally just say, I don't, <laughs> right? Because you know, you, you have to have so much money to make it worth it. Uh, on a on a portfolio that the average individual just can't do it. Uh, a lot of the ones that do it well don't do it exclusively. I mean, they they part of their portfolio uh, is that, but there's a lot of other pieces of their portfolio, especially big you know big uh, big hedge funds where these yeah. are these are there's a lot of stability within there, and there is a percentage that you know is used for those kind of asymmetric risk reward type of investments. Absolutely, and that's kind of the key. You know, the big hedge funds, big insurance companies, even you know fixed index annuities are often uh, run with with options. You know, the insurance companies have billions of dollars and they can easily buy options on all their holdings and positions, you know, you know thousands of positions at the same time with, where the average individual could never dream of doing uh, that, at least not to that scale. Yep. So, um, you know, if you want to participate in some of those things, there may be better ways to do it than, than just using your own money and trying to do it yourself. You know, look at, uh, at a, an options hedge fund or an options trading platform like Andy Tanner's or, look at, uh, you know, a fixed index annuity company that's doing that. Well, so, Chad, let me, let me actually bring yeah. something up that, you know, I've, I've thought about uh, a lot because, you know, there, there's pieces of us, like as a you know, human being that, you know, desires uncertainty, whether that's in the form of playing sports or going to the movies or going on vacation. Uh, but I think there's aspects of that in finance where there's this kind of intrigue associated with, you know, a, a shiny object and the potential to make it, you know, to, to have that asymmetric risk reward where you bet a little, but get a big gain. And we don't say that that there's no room for that, but, but we also, in a sense, don't advocate not doing it because there's a, there's a piece I would say of, of you that I think benefits from that. And when you have a foundation of certainty, especially if you have the other three tiers taken care of, correct, it puts yeah. you in a position where you not only are able to you know, identify opportunities, but you're able to have meaningful learning and meaningful education because the emotion of like not being able to feed your family, right. Or pay your mortgage, right. It doesn't exist, right. This is, yeah. you know, more of money, as you said, play money, it's risk money, right. Where Correct. you can have, you know, some, some learning experiences and get the wiggles of your uncertainty out. Yeah. And that's, I, I love where you just said learning experiences. That That is really a great thing. I mean, um, it, it's hard to know what the difference between a mutual fund and an ETF unless you've done it, right? Or it's hard to really uh, take it in and understand how they really work and what they can do for you without kind of playing with it. You can read about it, but until you've really done it yourself, it, it just doesn't click, right? <laughs> so, 
So that, that's where that is great. And, and, and you're right. And that comes really from tier two, right? Tier two is educating yourself, mm -hmm. investing in yourself, building up your own personal capital, right? And, and maybe that's where you start to learn about some of these things and research some of these things that you want to try when you get to tier four. Um, Great point. You know, so, so I'd, I'd say that that's where that, that lies. Um, mutual funds, if we kind of go back to mutual funds for just a minute, Patrick, um, most people in America say they are comfortable investing in mutual funds because that's all they know. Because that's where their 401ks are invested. That's where their IRAs are invested. That's where their parents set up their accounts for them. That's just where they are. Um, most people don't understand what mutual funds really do and how they're designed and and how they're managed, I guess, either. So, um, you know, maybe that's a, a talking point that we can... Let's get into it. Yeah, Go definitely. Because just, yeah, just they've, evolved, they've evolved over the years, but at the same time, the mentality of people hasn't evolved with it. Right, right. And, and, and that's still everyone's go-to. They're just saying, all right, I've got this 401k with 25 options and they're all mutual funds and I'll just pick the ones that are the best performers and go. Mm -hmm. That's a recipe for disaster, right? Because <laughs> one, they're, they're very fee intensive, right? Your average mutual fund is, is very expensive. Um, even a no load, people say, well, I can go to Vanguard and get no load funds. Well, the definition of no load is you can't have more than a quarter percent in, in annual charges and fees. So you're still getting charged. It's just not as much as some of the others maybe. And then you have to look at pay for, 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 pay for performance, right? Is this no load fund actually performing better because of these reduced fees than these other ones? And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be careful where you're investing and how you're investing it and, and look at Look at the, the, the style. Uh, if, if you're familiar with the Morningstar style box, mm -hmm. you know, most people just pick three or four funds and they're all large cap growth funds. So they've just tripled or quadrupled their exposure to one tiny little market area mm -hmm. without knowing it. They've got a large cap growth fund. They've got an S&P 500 fund. They've got a, you know, a, you know, a blended. All correlated, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've, got, they've got all these funds and they're all in the same area. So they think they're diversified, but they're not. They've mm -hmm. just... They've just doubled or tripled up in the same areas. And, um, you know, people need to make sure that they're truly getting diversification. And, and obviously, you know, we can maybe help guide some of those. Um, you know, I do have clients that send me their allocations and say, hey, what do you think about this? And I tell them, here, you're all right here, right here, right here. And, uh, and sometimes I can give them some, some guidance on how to change that. Um, but, it, but like we said, I mean, most people are just assuming that that's where they're going to be safe and that's where their money is the best uh, has the best diversification and the best management but but they're really uh, setting themselves up, up for failure because they have these ridiculous expenses they're not managed well in general mutual funds generally lag the market they don't they don't beat the market in general most of them are lagging the market itself or lagging the s p 500 and so we're, we're, we have got all these people that are putting their faith in some random fund manager somewhere that is not even performing as good as the market is performing. And uh, they're paying extra fees and expenses to do so. And, and really, it's just kind of a disaster in the back end. Uh, the difference between that and an ETF, if you're not familiar with ETFs, uh, mutual funds trade once per day, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so it's the end of the market day. So bad news could hit in the morning. People could be trading all day long on that bad news. 
And by the time your fund trades at the end of the day, it's too late. You're, you've sucked in the losses or whatever. Or if there's great news at the beginning of the day, people are taking advantage of that, capitalizing on that growth. And again, your, your fund trades at the end of the day, and again, it's too late. Uh, that's where the evolution of the ETF came in. So the ETF is an exchange traded fund and that actually trades all throughout the day, just like a stock. So you could, you could buy it or sell it instantly. And, you know, two minutes later, make another trade. Uh, so it, it's just uh, a little easier way to micromanage your account. But again, if that's not your forte, don't try to do it yourself. Get somebody in there who knows how to do that. Well, Chad, one of the things too uh, that maybe I'd like you could speak to is, you know, as you set up wealth maximization account and you, you do it in a way that, you know, optimizes uh, cash value, if that's the, the piece that uh, is being played, is that that's the uh, objective? There's other yeah. you know objectives like, you know, business planning or estate planning. Uh -huh. But if it's purely for a kind of a savings play and you look at the return it gets, you know, uh, as, you, as you factor in uh, taxes and, and fees, the, the marginal difference between, you know, what a, uh, a, a fund would get, even if it's just a, a simple no load or, or no expense, uh, you know, ETF, the marginal difference is not that much, but yet the amount of risks that's, that's taken to get that mar potentially marginal increase in return is astronomical. Absolutely. And, you know, I look at, you know, we, we uh, will post the, the, uh, the Dalbar report uh, that we get, you know, it usually comes out once a year. Now they're putting it out quarterly that talks about the average uh, investor and what returns they're actually getting. And, you know, for the first quarter of 2020, it was like negative, you know, 20, 20 something percent. Uh, and then you factor out the full, you know, tw last 20 years, which I believe is the longest they go, you know, it's only at like 6% for these, for these indexes. Right. So you look at, you know, that being a return that is probably a little bit higher than uh, what the you know, insurance companies will, will yield with a properly designed wealth maximization account, but still the amount of risk that's taken, right? And also the singular use, right, of that type of asset, okay, is something else that, you know, you, you make up for that with something that has much less risk, a much higher degree of certainty, and rem removes really you know, that, that risk you're taking to get just a slight improvement in the return. Absolutely. Well, and then you have to factor in the fees and expenses and ticket charges and trade charges and everything else associated with it. And that 6% average you're talking about drops to two or three. Yeah. So, so really, I mean, in general, are mutual funds worth it? I'd say absolutely not. If you have a very strong opinion towards one sector or one area of the market and you want to take a bet there, fine, do it. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, whether it's, you know, this area, that area, if you, if you were, if you really feel strongly about one particular area, invest there, don't just throw your money blindly in mutual funds and hope to hope to hit it big. Cause you're right. You won't. Um, and I guess that's the, that's the point with anything in tier four. It's, you know, once, once you've got everything else set up, then it's, then it's about what else do you want to try? Okay. What else do you want to explore? Uh, you've already got your wealth maximization account set up. You've already invested in yourself. Maybe you've got some intentional investments like oil and gas in, in their tier three investments uh, for some tax breaks. Um, and now you're saying, I've got this little extra money and I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to invest into racehorses or <laughs> seed money for startup businesses, or I've always wanted to, to try options or, you know, great. That's what tier four is all about. 
let's do it, right? And you can, and like you said, you could take a loan from your policies, get a low uh, cost of capital there to go invest elsewhere and take the difference, right? Pocket, pocket the earnings from there after paying off your policy loans, just like you might do with real estate, right? I mean, you, your, your uh, cash flow from the real estate pays back the policy loans, then you go do it again. So you do the same system. I mean, tier four works the same way. You can, you can use your policy uh, cash values to do that, to invest intentionally in, in a couple specific sectors or areas of interest and, and kind of have fun with it. So I'd say that's your fun piece. It's not your, it's not your, uh, your bread money. It's not your food money. It's not your mortgage money. This is your fun money. Uh, and that, that's where you, you can really just have fun. Well, one thing too, you know, as, as we kind of wrap up the, the whole conversation about all four tiers of the, of the hierarchy of wealth, I mean, in the, in the end, I would say the, the most important thing I see as the value we give to, to clients is, is understanding the end from the beginning, right? Is understanding what results you, you really want uh, and what it takes to get there and getting there with the highest degree of certainty. And invariably you see, you know, the, the biggest opportunities most people have is figuring out how to get paid more for doing meaningful work. And, and that's one of those, one of those things where along the way, I think the, where financial, the typical financial planning when, when sideways is continuing to advocate uh, this retiring at, at 60 or 65 and, and having enough money there to last for the rest of your life uh, where that's no longer feasible. And I, I'm assuming oh. it's feasible for some, but you know, the savings rates have to be upwards of, you know, 30, 40, 50%, or the lifestyle that they live in retirement has to be, you know, significantly less Lower. than what yeah. the lifestyle they currently live. And that's where, you know, advocating the importance of, you know, continuing to do meaningful work. I think right now with COVID and what we're experiencing as a society is that people like want to work in the, and because they're not getting to do work, meaningful work, like it, it, it kind of stifles right? Their, their ability to have sanity in a sense. Yeah. And, you know, I look at just how things are evolving and, and most likely uh, never going to go back to how work was once being able to do remote work, contracting and, and so forth, you know, provides tremendous opportunity as you get into tier two and, and, and tier three. And, you know, getting into tier two and tier three, you know, requires some education, but there's some fundamental characteristics there that uh, provide a, a layer of security, a layer, a layer of certainty. Getting into tier four, even though that, that tier is there, it doesn't mean that you have to be there. Uh, I right. have a, a little bit of money in, you know, some, some crypto things, but just, you know, a few thousand dollars, yeah. right? It's not nothing much. It's just something That's that I'm tier intrigued four by. I want to pay attention to. Yeah. yeah. But it's not like something I'm training on a, on a daily basis, <laughs> right. right? Right. But it's, it's, you know, wanting to be intrigued, uh, but then also just not taking your eye off the main prize, right? Which is you as your best asset, whether it's educating yourself mm -hmm. regarding the different investments that are out there, okay? Or it's discovering ways in which you can get paid more for what you love doing. Correct. Yeah, and actually, uh, I want to key on, on something you said there. And, and actually, you've said this a few times in the past, but stagnation is death, right? Even if you have enough money to retire and you can do the traditional retirement, why would you, right? When the body stops working, it deteriorates, right? The mind deteriorates. The, your physical body just doesn't perform, perform like it did. So, you know, the, the traditional retirement isn't something, you know, we seek or adv advocate. I mean, that's when you just reinvent yourself. And maybe tier four for a lot of people is simply saying, that's when I shift gears in retirement and start to explore other avenues. 100%. And that can be your 
passion or your focus or your new your new life. It could be, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the crypto master. I'm gonna you know this is great, awesome. Make that your passion in retirement and go after it, and and make it make it your new passion. Make it your new your new way to earn an income, right? Uh, just don't stop working altogether. Um, There's hundreds, probably thousands of other opportunities that are out there around the world, right? But you you hit the nail right. on the head. I think what people dream about in their future, what retirement is, right, is doing meaningful things. Right. Uh, and and that's where it's interesting where I I look at, you know, work is something that can be meaningful. It doesn't have to be something you want to stop. Uh, right. And I believe that uh, course can start way earlier than 60 years old or 50 years old. It can start at the beginning of your career. You may not get there for 10 to 15 years, but at least you can identify what the end result is. And it's not uh, a kind of a stone age type of principle, which is uh, the, the retirement idea. So right. agreed. Well, well cool. Chad, you've been awesome, man. This has been, this Thank has you. been fun. Uh, you know, I know we were kind of restricted to 30, 30 minutes or so. We could probably keep talking about this for uh, the rest of eternity, but uh, any last words that you'd like to share before uh, we sign up and uh, sign off and wrap up our four part series on the hierarchy of wealth? I'd say definitely study that uh, hierarchy of wealth uh, chart, you know, take a look at the assets that are listed there, kind of wrap your brain around each piece and what you can do with each one. And uh, rather than saying, just check the box, I mean, try to be intentional about what you're doing and, and really try to think how you would do certain things and what might, what might intrigue you. Maybe make a little list, make, make a little list of goals of what you want to accomplish and then let us help you. Uh, we're here as wealth strategists. You know, we're not just here to help you set up a policy and kick you to the curb. You can call us, email us, text us anytime. And, and we'll, we're happy to help you out. Even if it's just to run a quick idea by us, you know, that's exactly what we're here for. Lean on us uh, with all of us working here. We've got, I don't know how many hundreds of, or maybe even thousands of years of experience. I don't know. There's a lot Likely, of us. Yeah. We, we got plenty of experience. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have to do it alone, right? Let us help you. Plus, you know, the, uh, the team we have here has done an incredible job at putting resources on uh, on the webpage. So check out the Wealth uh, yeah, absolutely. Paradigm, ParadigmLife.net and under the podcast are going to be show notes and uh, a lot of resources associated with these uh, with these different episodes. Uh, but Chad, really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom and uh, look forward to being able to do another episode in the future with you. Sounds great. Thanks, Patrick. Take care. I can't believe that we have already wrapped up our second season of the Perpetual Wealth Strategy podcast. Thank you guys for listening, for your support, as well as trusting Paradigm Life with your financial education. You can find all the links that we had mentioned, resources that we had mentioned in our show notes. Those are available on the Perpetual Wealth Strategy podcast page, which is at paradigmlife.net. As always, if you have questions or uh, you want to have a, a consultation with one of our wealth strategists, Everything's complimentary and we're here uh, to serve and guide you. So have a great summer and we will see you in the fall for season three. Thank you for listening to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official page at paradigmlife.net for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional or a wealth strategist at Paradigm Life. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher 
to leave your review today. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and its exclusive content. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.